Hey Slumberkins, Rosalie Kicks here. Katie and I have been gone for a bit and are so happy to be back in our sleeping bags. The episode you're about to hear was recorded quite some time ago and I guess could be considered a vault episode at this point. There were some technical issues, but I managed to Frankenstein it together. Anyways, our next episode will be back to regularly scheduled programming. Until then, enjoy this vault episode in which we kick off hunky horror season. It is time to get spooky, slumberkins. Hello? Hey, Katiekins, it's Rosalie. Wanna have a slumber party? Oh, there's my girl. Okay, they didn't have whatever fireball is, so I got aftershock. Man said it's the same thing. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. For doing what, darling? Slumberkins, I'm Rosalie Kicks. And I'm Katie McBrown. And we are best friends forever. Each episode, Katie Kins and I roll out our sleeping bags, pick out a flick featuring one of our favorite heartthrobs, and we gab about it. Welcome to the slumber party. Guys, we are back. And welcome to all our old and new listeners. For those joining for the first time, we hope you brought your snacks. Here's just a little rundown of how the show works. So Katie Kins and I visit an imaginary video store and we select a movie that features the heartthrob of the month. And then we get out our sleeping bags and we chat about it to determine whether the movie is worthy enough to be placed on our coveted slumber party watch shelf. Yes. And we have so many sexy slashers in store for all of you slumberkins, which will be revealed. Should we get to the girl talk? I'm ready. Talk, talk, talk. Girl talk, talking back. Girl talk dateline. The game about the two things girls like best. Talking on the phone and... I'd love to go. Boys! This is the segment of the show when we talk about the movie featuring our chosen heartthrob. And in honor of spooky season, we are now deeming it hunky horror heartthrob, or as I say, Triple H. Hey, this is the game, Triple H. I must say, I really love this Triple H audio that you've been adding in here. So major applause to you, Kixie, because it's just splendid. I love to sprinkle in the audio clips to make the slumberkins laugh. Even if they don't, I do. And it gives me thrills and chills. So Chills and thrills. <laughs> exactly. For our first installment of Hunky Horror Heartthrob Season, we are kicking things off with the 2019 horror flick Ma and celebrating Dominic Burgess, who plays Stu in the flick. Are you going to meet a boy? No sex or booze. Okay. Excuse me, can you buy some booze for my friends and I? <sighs> Not interested. Please? Hell. Ooh, there's my girl. This never happened, okay? Thanks again for doing this, ma'am. You guys want to party like rock stars? Follow me. Let's get drunk! The bar is open. What do you think? We don't know this chick. It ain't much, but it's all you. Cool basement. You're free to do whatever you want down here, but nobody go upstairs. This is so sick. 
Welcome to Mars. What? Love, Ma. Oh, it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> How did she get our numbers? You know where the party is. Mm, those earrings are beautiful, Maggie. You got a sweet mama, huh? Who are you with? Just some kids from school. <laughs> you have a boyfriend. <laughs> Men are dogs. There's something off about Ma. Seriously? She's harmless. Now remember, Slumberkins, for the movie to earn a spot on our Slumber Party watch shelf, it needs to earn at least five gold stars. So as we are chatting, if you hear a twinkle sound, that means that it's earned a star. Now, Katiekins, will you share the criteria for earning a star with the Slumberkins? I would love to. So a movie can earn a star if it features such things as a mall, bonus babe alert, radical fashions, bodacious soundtrack, a bad boy, nudies, a rebel girl, pizza delivery, first kiss, wild hair, crazy cuisines, dream digs, and for the spooky occasion, the new categories are dreamboat, which only pertains to Freddie. Go back and listen to that episode if you've missed it. Sexy slasher, wacky weaponry, foodie fatality, gratuitous gore, and killer knockout, meaning babes that get slayed. Also, murderous music, which I almost forgot. I'm so sorry, Ben. And we're always adding to the list and not taking any suggestions from Clink himself. <laughs> but you can shoot us a note on Twitter at DearBFFPod if you have an idea. And we will we'll think about it. Katie, will you describe the cover art for Ma for the Slumberkins, please? I mean, so the, the cover is just a picture of her face, which to me, she doesn't look like she wants me to get home safe as the tagline is saying just according to that look that she's giving i also kind of see it like i need to know more about her her eyes are telling me i will not be safe (laughs) and then when i look at the back definitely scared yes um because you see a lot more of her kind of chillingness Like, I think when I was looking at it the first time before I read the get home safe thing, I was like, oh, she looks sweet. Like, she looks like somebody that would win like a chili cook off and then invite us all over for some. And then the more like when I turned it over, I was like, oh, nope, nope, we're we're not going to Ma's. Like, you don't know if these kids are dead or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like sitting with a bunch of corpses. Right. Or like puppets. Like, we we don't know. Like, are they real? I will now share the back of the box summary with you. It says, everybody's welcome at Ma's, but good luck getting home safe. Sue Ann, played by Oscar winner Octavia Spencer, is a loner who keeps to herself in her quiet Ohio town. When she is asked by a teenager to buy some booze for her group of friends, Sue Ann offers the basement of her home for the kids to hang out and party. But there are some house rules. Someone has to stay sober, don't curse, never go upstairs, and call her Ma. As her hospitality starts to curdle into obsession, what began as teenage dream turns into a terrorizing nightmare, and Ma's place goes from the best place in town to the worst place on earth. I love the synopsis by the way. It makes me almost think of it, like that Ma's house is almost like a Moe's bar like in The Simpsons. Like it's a place where you can just go and hang. 
<laughs> like they just make it sound intriguing. And I will say we luckily got to see er- this originally in the movie theater together and heads up Slumberkins, but we love this movie. Like love it. Okay, so I definitely agree with you that Moz definitely has a Moe's vibe, but there's also a Cheers vibe going on. It's like, come to Moz, where everyone knows your name. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have actually been a really good tagline. Yes, it would be. And also, we do love this movie. We've watched it several times at this point, and we did see it in the theater, which I'm really happy we got to do because it's fun seeing horror in a cinema. And I remember we snuck in this huge bag of caramel cheddar popcorn and consumed the entire thing, which it was amazing. Yeah, we polished off the entire bag, which I think we snuck in. I want to say we went to Whole Foods before this. So if we want to get it again, which I really kind of do, I'm going to have to go back to Whole Foods. I'm still shocked how much I loved those flavors together. I guess it's just like the salty, sweet kind of flavor in your mouth. Like, I, I mean, I like that. So I do. I like salty and sweet. So I'm, a, I'm just going to go back to, yep. It was because of the two flavors unfolding together on your taste buds. Yes. (laughs) All right, let's get back on track here. The flick. It opens with a mother-daughter duo, Erica played by Juliette Lewis and Maggie. Erica is moving back to her hometown after a divorce. I really love how happy-go-lucky the opening is. Like, I don't know what the music is that's playing, but it's like upbeat. And it's, it's kind of the start of a Lifetime movie. It doesn't feel like a horror movie. Yeah, there's so much promise in the opening. So much. Yes, and Erica and Maggie are so excited about this new chapter. I love when Juliette Lewis refers to them as two modern babes in a modern world in regards to them starting anew. That line made me laugh. And I also feel like I would have been like, Mom, stop, you're embarrassing me. Like if she ever, if anybody said stuff like that, especially my mother, I would, I would be red faced. Yeah, it kind of gave that impression that their relationship was more like they were siblings. Yeah, I want to yeah, I want to say they seemed closer in age and maybe not really, but like they just seemed almost like that was like an older sister and she's the younger sister. It was an interesting dynamic for sure. Well, luckily, Erica has our hunky horror heartthrob, Stu, to show her around and get her acclimated back to her hometown life. Stu is an absolute treasure. And I bet a lot of people will be side-eyeing our pick. I'm not going to name names because I already did that earlier, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, they could just stuff their lunch. (laughs) Stu is a gem. He has a wonderful accent. He's a kind soul and takes Erica under his wing at their job at the casino where he he just immediately tells her that she's better than just slinging cocktails and encourages her to become a card dealer. I, I love that. I guess he's a, like when they first meet, she's a cocktail waitress and he's a bartender. And it's like they almost like meet each other and like lift each other up. But he's doing a lot more of the pushing. I feel like he's like, no, no, you could you could make more money here. You have more potential. I will say their their outfit at the casinos were funny, like the, the vests. The outfits casinos have their employees wear are always terrible, <laughs> especially the females. They 
are always in these like shorty shorts and like tights. Stu knows. Stu's like, you're better than wearing shorty shorts. I'm going to get you some pants. Um, but you, I think you mentioned earlier that Stu is played by Dominic. I would say Burgess, but Burgess, I'm not sure. I'm just going to leave it as Burgess. And in real life, he's British, which I didn't really know until I was doing some research on him. And he's mostly known for, um, it was like an FX miniseries called Feud about Betty and Joan, oh um, which I have yet to watch. And I kind of want to watch it now. Well, I watched it. And now oh, that you say this, oh, I remember who he played. He was amazing in Feud. Have you ever watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Yes. Well, the series is all about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford while they are making that movie and essentially their feud. So, of course, they took some liberties while making it. It's Hollywood, baby. <laughs> yes. Well, Stu plays the late actor Victor Bueno, who played Edwin in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and he does a fantastic job. So amazing. I love him. He was great. Now you're really getting me excited to watch it. Good luck finding it, because I think <gasps> a huge lawsuit against it. And oh, really? I wanted to get like a physical copy of it. You might be able to buy it digitally or something. But okay. I really liked it because I, I love Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Mm -hmm. but that's a whole other story. Anyways, back to Ma. Your mom is like 10 states away. You're not going to invite your new best friends over? That's fine. That's fine. I'm not offended. That's okay. I totally would. Seriously. We're not even unpacked yet. There's like nothing to do. Yo, like at all. what the? What is it? I am, I'm not touching. What if that's a bomb? Bro? That would suck so hard. Suck. Love Ma. What? <laughs> hey, I was just thinking, why wait for the weekend? It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> How did she get our numbers? Let's rage. Let's go. Okay. Tomorrow's okay. house we go. Oh, get in. Get in. Juliet Lewis is at work one day. Maggie ends up calling for a pizza and ends up calling some kids from her school to hang out. I feel like Maggie here is pretty shitty to her mom because they were supposed to go to some type of like music festival. And she gives Julia attitude about it. Yeah, she was. I mean, she was definitely a teenager in that that circumstance. But it was like, yeah, I'm the new person at work. Like, I can't just not fill in. And the, the music thing sounded dumb. And from the looks of the town, like how desolate it seems, I can only imagine the bands that would be playing there. Like, I cannot imagine a music festival in Ohio being cool. Well, isn't the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Ohio, though? Yeah. <laughs> Kate. This was like a small town. It's, I mean, yes, it was a very small town. I'm not, I'm definitely not going to debate you on that. There, it would have been, it would have been hard. It wasn't a city. I apologize. I just yeah. like to, I just like to debate you. But yeah, Maggie, she quickly falls in with this popular crowd. And like any small town, they have a drinking spot. They call it the rock piles and... This is where they go and booze it up and build fires. I didn't have a place like this growing up, did you? Not that I'm aware. 
I like, for example, I never drank as a teen. I didn't have a drink till I was in my 20s. I like all of this teen stuff is so foreign to me. <laughs> um, so I definitely wasn't a, you know, great teenager. I got into trouble a couple of times, but I can vividly remember like once going to a graveyard and drinking like a can of Budweiser, but like it wasn't the hangout spot. Like the hangout spot was like always changing. And for the most yeah. part, I feel like we would just kind of like sneak like little bottles of alcohol into our friends' basements and just like giggle and drink. And, you know, it wasn't really any big deal. Yeah, you were probably drinking like some kind of liqueur. It was, per yeah, it was probably Midori. Well, that makes me realize I didn't really <laughs> miss much. <laughs> I just had a different childhood. Uh, mainly during my teen years, I worked for my grandparents at their farmer's market, and that was it. I didn't really hang out with other kids. Yeah, and you were up, you were up at like the crack of dawn. So by the time the, the teens were hanging out, you were like going to bed. True, but we did do some wild stuff, like building fires with my grandmother. Fires and garbage pail kids plastered everywhere. <laughs> I do like that you drank in a graveyard, though. That is something I could get down with. I know. I, I wanted that to be like, so that's why I think I vividly remember that spot, like that time. But. Yes, totally. It makes sense. I mean, you just keep getting cooler. Drinking in a graveyard is so freaking cool. But anyways, the rock pile brings us to how Ma is introduced. She was the one that supplies the teens with the alcohol. They actually approach her outside of the liquor store while she's walking a three-legged dog, and they ask her to procure their liquor list. I honestly can't imagine doing this, going up to an adult and being like, hey, ma'am, can you buy my booze? No way. And they were, they were parked right out in the open in that van and right in front of the liquor store, right on a busy road or busy for this town. Like anybody could have seen them sitting there. I feel like it would have gotten back to the parents like way quicker. Yep. I agree. Especially in a small town. It's so ridiculous. They are parked literally right in front of the door. They're just asking to be caught. Yeah, right in front of the door. <laughs> it's like they don't even try to hide. They're just like, like they might as well just, you know, put two of them into a trench coat, cover it up and walk in there and pretend they're like an older person. <laughs> or better yet, just drive in. Just drive through. The store. Yeah. Yeah. And then take and then pile all the liquor into that van. There was plenty of space. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. These kids, they don't know what they're doing. But Ma is very gutsy. She is willing to do this for them. But also, I think it is known pretty much right away that Ma has some other motives. Because we see her notice on the side of the van the name Hawkins. And this clearly piques her interest. Right. But she really comes through for them. She gets them basically the entire list and even like hands the dog off for them to just kind of chill with while she goes into the liquor store. But you could tell there was a hidden agenda. Yeah, totally. It, totally a hidden agenda. And when she does come out, like you said, she 
managed to get everything. And what I do love, though, is she like tells them, oh, they didn't have Malibu. So I substituted and got you Fireball instead. so ma is obviously hip if we didn't talk about that yet ma's hip i don't remember what they were out of i want to say she said the word goldschlager because it made me laugh a little bit and (laughs) i was just impressed that she was like i know what the teens like they like fireball yes ma knew she had her finger on the pulse in terms of (laughs) what the teens think is hip and Yeah, so this leads the teens, they head to the rock pile, they start partying, and they think everything's fine. However, somebody called the cops, gave them a tip-off. And the person that tipped them off was Ma herself. Second item on her agenda, get them away from the rock pile. Yes, this is all part of her elaborate plan. But she initially tried to call one of the parents. Oh, yeah. She didn't call the cops yet. I think she called... The Hawkins' father. Was that Ben? Yep. He was getting service. And yeah, and then he he called the police on his own son. But since him and his son are, or him and the police are like tight, they just like let them go. Yeah. And here's where we really see the small town politics at play, I feel. Right. Lots of lots of cash being mm-hmm. handed off, little hush money. Also, before I forget, I do want to mention something about Ma. She works at a veterinarian, which is why we saw her earlier with that three-legged dog. And her boss is played by Allison Janney, who, in my opinion, is the real villain of this story. She is no. Yeah, she actually was kind of frightening. If she were my boss, I think she would probably make me cry daily. Just the way she talked to people and her tone. I I wouldn't want my cats, Mona Lisa or Don Ralphio, anywhere near this woman. Can we also mention that when we were watching this in the theater, how scared we were that something terrible was going to happen to an animal? Yes. yes. Like, I, I did not want to see that on screen. I Honestly, this movie would have been a total different thing if something had happened badly to an animal. I probably we would not be talking about it. I really just don't like anything bad happening to animals on screen. It'd be a lot worse than watching a human die. Right. I don't know why. That says a lot about us. (laughs) Yes, we love animals. Uh, So (laughs) basically nothing for Ma is going well. And I think that's important to know. Right. As for the teens, even after being caught, they end up back at the liquor store and are once again asking Ma to hook them up. Yeah. And this time Ma claims that she has eyes on her and she's like, all right, I got eyes on me, guys. You got to follow me. Then we'll do a handoff. Things are getting, you know, now she has eyes on her. Like this day. (laughs) Yeah. I love this scene. Octavia Spencer is such a good actor, Mm -hmm. and she convinces the kids that she is being spied on, and it's great. Right. And I believed her. I was like, yeah, she does have eyes on her. Well, they end up following her, and I feel someone in the van says, wow, where are we going? Well, they end up at her house, and this is when we get the first glimpse of the exterior of her house, which there's like this huge cow statue. And then Ma gets out of her pickup truck and invites them into her basement. 
And well, Katie, I need to know, like, what would you be thinking at this point? Would you go into the basement? So if I were a teen, I probably would have just gone along with it because I wasn't much of a leader then. Like, I would just kind of be like, oh, this is where we're going. Okay, cool. But I would just be like uncomfortable the entire time because I would just be like, why is this adult woman allowing this type of activity? Yeah, I I don't think I would have gone in. Nope, not today. (laughs) Not getting murdered and probably would have just walked off into the sunset, leaving everyone behind. I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm taking the cow statue with me. Yeah, because that cow statue is incredible. Anyway, the teens go in, they really seem to have no concern about this basement, and the blonde, whose name is Haley, I can't stand her, but she loves the whole idea of being at Ma's, and Ma tells them she's going to make some pizza bites, in which Haley responds, let's get filthy, and it's just wow. Yeah, it, it 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 was it was weird, and also like they were asking more from her, which to me I feel like I wouldn't do. But this is when things start to get uncomfortable, and we get our first glimpse of nudies. This is when Ma has one of the boys stripped down. Yeah, this scene makes me so anxious, even though I've seen it a few times. I mean, essentially, she's holding the kid at gunpoint and has him stripped down fully nude. Then she starts cackling (laughs) and then says, you are under arrest for being so damn cute. Like, what the hell is happening? Could you imagine witnessing this? No, because this is the part where I'd be like, okay, we're leaving. Because that just like crossed a line, especially like a gun being pulled. I don't know. It was a lot. Ma tells them the gun's not loaded, but still. Right. I don't know how a gun works. The teens, though, they move on pretty quickly from the gun, though, and just start barking more orders at Ma, mainly how to class up the place with a beanbag chair, tunes, mood lighting, including a disco ball. I can't believe none of them were like, I'm out. I might have stayed for the pizza bites, and then I would have been like, all right, time to go. So obviously they had a really good time this evening because they go back. And this time she does, you know, she turned the place into something they asked for. There's a plush sofa, pillows. We got bodacious tunes on the stereo and tons of snacks and lots of red cups. So, you know, there's a lot of alcohol. Yes, so much alcohol, probably a lot of fireball. Well, not only has the place been upgraded, but so has Ma's wardrobe. She basically is in head-to-toe denim and even has a denim hat. What does the hat say on it? Remember, I think it says babe. I think you're lying. I don't think I want to say I think it's bedazzled or it says babe on it, but I could I could be lying. I'm sorry. Well, either way, I mean I would love if that was the hat she was wearing. Honestly. I'm fine just going with it. (laughs) Yep, she was wearing a hat that says babe. Now something more pressing, Katie Kins, that I need to ask you concerning Ma. And this is serious. When you were a teen, did you listen to the song Funky Town? Um, I can for a fact say that I didn't. 
that wasn't on rotation. Yeah, like the song choices in this movie, I will admit, I love. But I'm just wondering. I'll admit, I wasn't your typical teen. I liked Funky Town, and I still do. Funky Town and then Kung Fu Fighting was another one that came on. I think she like not, she kicked down a pile of um, red solo cups. And I think she was doing the robot. Ma was really feeling herself this night. Like she was really feeling herself. Such interesting music to play for teens. Well, I guess they probably had to go with what she had on her like CD collection. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I'm like, somebody would have brought in an iPod. Right. Ma, put on some Drake. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. You know who Drake is. I don't know. So, one day. One day I'll teach you. Yeah. So she was doing some really great dance moves. And afterwards, Ma had a good time. The teens had a good time. And Ma just starts blowing up their cell phones, like selfie videos and text messages, you know, saying she wants to hang out. So her videos. And like, again, this was like a hip factor where I think she had like a Snapchat and she was able to like connect with them on that platform. And she would, I mean, her little jingles, they got into my head. Oh, definitely. She knew how to use all the social meds and she was scoping them out, taking a peek. And it seemed like, yeah, I believe that was Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat, so I, I couldn't really... I only know about the filters. Well, Ma knows about it. She's with the times. She knows about that, but she doesn't know about current music, which is fine. Well, maybe she doesn't want to know about current music. There's not a lot of good stuff out there right now. (laughs) You're sounding like an old Helen right now. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe I'm a Helen then. I'm fine with this. Okay, let's talk about the whole school suddenly starts hanging out at Ma's and it starts getting booked for events and birthday parties. There's like a whole calendar. Well, yeah, there's the one scene where a random girl runs up to like Maggie and Haley in school and she's like, do you think Ma would let us throw so-and-so's birthday party there? So it really does start to take off as like the spot to be. Um, And I'm also wondering if Ma, like, had everybody, like, not just the core kids that we meet, like, the core teens, like, if she had other people's uh, Snapchats, she could, like, invite them. Or was it just up to, like, what Haley and Maggie said? I am sure that through her stalking of Maggie, Haley, and Ben's social meds, Ma got connected with the other kids. She is very tech-savvy. That's true. I mean, mean, if she's using Snapchat, she's already doing it better than I am. Do you remember when the movie was coming out and if you tweeted to Ma, she would write back? I loved that. Yeah, that was such a great promotional piece for the movie. Mm -hmm. Because we were so excited to see this. You're right. We couldn't wait to see this. We were so excited. Okay, let's get back to the parties at Ma's. So... Things start to go off the deep end pretty quick. The parties get weird, and Ma is constantly texting the teens and seems to like to party every night, which finally makes the teens realize, like, hey, maybe there's something up with Ma. 
And sure, the partying is fun, but every night is a bit crazy. (laughs) It is, because I think the one night, they're like, we can't go to Ma's tonight. We have like a final tomorrow or like something where they actually had school the next day. And there is a scene where Ma drugs Maggie. So then stuff really starts to turn. Yes, Maggie ends up not being able to remember that night at Ma's and she finds that her special earrings are taken and we had seen the night before that Ma had been commenting on them and so of course we know she took them and because of this episode Maggie decides she doesn't want to go to Ma's any longer and ends up convincing her boyfriend Andy who looks like a turtle that (laughs) He also should not be going to Ma's, that it's dangerous. And I do apologize for calling him a turtle, but I call him like I see him. He does. He has like a snapping turtle kind of face. And that's terrible. I should stop with the commenting on people's looks. But but he's not a, yeah, like he's not, he's a kind of stupid character anyway. But for his love of Maggie, he does agree to stay away from Ma's as well. But then Ma is able to convince the teens after there's like after they stay away for a little bit that she has cancer. And she at this point, you know, has especially turtle boyfriend in the palm of her hand because that is how his mom died from cancer, which is so sad. But now she's, you know, just kind of going on a murder spree. We learn in a couple of flashies, which I call flashbacks, that Ma had gone to school with the parents of the teens. And now she's going to take her revenge. So she starts with killing Mercedes, who is kind of a character we really don't need to talk about. But her killing scene is the best. Ma runs Mercedes down with her red pickup truck while she has this amazing air freshener hanging and blowing in the breeze called Horse Sense. (laughs) And we get some gratuitous gore. I love this scene too, and I'm so glad you brought up Ma's pickup truck. I think it is so rad that she drives a pickup. I do love me a pickup truck. And as for the air freshener, I love that someone put a horse sense air freshener in the pickup. But I have so many questions. Like, where was this procured? What does it smell like? The only thing I can imagine is hay. Just hay. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. So she's really gone off the deep end now. She has just murdered somebody in broad daylight in a hit and run. Yeah, you're right, Katie. This is definitely the point of no return. Ma is out for blood. And she ends up committing another murder. She ends up taking Andy's dad, Ben, and giving him a blood transfusion with Maggie's dog's blood. And the dog had recently been at the vet she worked at, so she takes that dog's blood and puts it into Ben, and this is gratuitous gore. And as she's doing all of this, she tells him that he treated her like a dog, so now she is going to turn him into one. This scene is wild. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, is she turning him into a dog? Like, is that possible? Like, what am I watching? This is so great. But in this scene, can I just say that I feel like if we were at a slumber party and we were watching this, 
that we would have paused on the nudie. Do you agree? OMG, of corpse. It was a peen. And in terms of flicks for the general public, you rarely see a peen out in the wild. It's very, it's a, it's like a rare bird. It only shows up in certain things. The first time I watched this movie, I don't think I noticed it. Like, it was actually this third or fourth watch. We noticed it, and I think we didn't notice it before because we were so caught up in what she was doing and how she was killing this guy. It's shocking. And I do, I agree. Like, I feel like this, I think we texted it when we were watching it. I'm like, did I ever see this before? Or is this the first time? Are we watching the uncut version? I was I was a little taken aback, but I think as we talked about in our last podcast, like we're so used to seeing like women's boobs and all that stuff that in a lot of horror. So it was kind of a nice little twist that we are now seeing male anatomy. Now I sound like a pervert again. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe. But <laughs> I think if you're going to show one, then show them all. So show boobs, show peens, all of it. I agree. All right. So Ma ends up convincing these kids to come over for one final party, which initially Maggie isn't going to go. And well, Juliet Lewis grounded her anyways, because Maggie revealed everything that was going on with Ma's. But then Ma is back to texting, ends up sending Maggie a video of Andy partying, and Maggie has concerns for him, so she sneaks out. And from the video, it seemed like Ma drugged the kids with something. Maybe it was from the vet, possibly horse pills. I don't know. Maybe there are a couple of um, horse tranquilizers laying around. Yeah. And she was just like, let me ration this off and put it in their drinks. But yeah, now we see Ma dressed to the nines. She is draped in a maroon, beautiful dress. She looks stunning. And this is where I will deem her a sexy slasher. Oh, yeah. I loved her velvet. The velvet was so great. And she really goes off the rails in the velvet. Like, this scene was bananas. The maroon velvet unlocked something in her. It gave her power <laughs> Let, she powered up with the velvet definitely and this is where we see her go full-on bananas while the kids are passed out she starts torturing them she takes Haley's lips and she stitches them shut and that was because ma was sick of her running her mouth she takes a hot iron to another kid because she wants to blemish his good looks and after she's done with her terror, she ends up posing all of the kids on the sofa and then requests that Maggie take their photo. Yeah, this this was super bizarre, but I feel like it was kind of where her twisted rendition of reality came about and she was like these are my friends. Look at me. I'm pop I'm a popular kid now. And but she was just absolutely not so in this in this moment yes i agree and she was definitely under some delusion here but i think she was also seeing the teens as the teens from her past that wronged her so this was her payback of sorts mm -hmm. also 
I do need to remark on the camera she was using to take the photo. It looked like it was from the 40s. <laughs> I don't remember the camera. She just loves film. She doesn't want a digital picture. She wants film. Because remember, she was scrapbooking a lot of these things, too. Oh, yes. Also, because we're terrible at telling a synopsis, we did not even mention that Ma has a daughter, but eh, it's okay, because the daughter is not really in it that much, because Ma has convinced her that she's ill, so she is essentially just sequestered to her room through most of the movie, and Ma is just pumping her with drugs from the vet. I mean, she's basically drugging her daughter because she wants to keep her hidden away from society. It's really sad. And I, I'm assuming it's Ma's way of like protecting her daughter. So like what happened to her in high school doesn't happen to her own daughter, but is a sick, twisted way to do so. And the daughter is actually, she ends up being the hero because she is the one that helps Maggie and her friends escape. And I mean, I shouldn't have called her the hero. She is the she is the starting point of a heroic a heroic person, because we all know who the ultimate hero is in the end. Yes, of course, it is Stu. Stu. Stu comes and saves the day. Uh, I just love how he is like. I'm not even going to ask any questions. He was down for a fight. Yes, he saves the kids from the home that is now on fire. Stu is amazing. And I also have to say, I think Ma got out of that house too. I don't think she burned up. I think she got out of the house before it became engulf, engulfed in flames. I think she went into the bed, snuggled with Ben for like two seconds, and then made her way. Because, yes, we know what's going to happen. Yes, Ma needs to have her own franchise. Her story does not end here, and she needs to, like, meet up with Jason or something. <laughs> well, we could make a Ma sequel. I would love to make a Ma sequel. I did want to mention to the Slumberkins as well that we did try to look up some facts about this flick, but really could not turn anything up. The only thing I could find was people asking, well, why did Octavia do this movie? And the reason was she wanted to do something different. Right. And same with the director. I think he he really wanted to go away from everything that he was, I guess, known for doing. And they made a wild horror. And her role in this, she played it perfectly. So are you ready for the tally? I am ready to tally. Let me bust out the diary. Let me track down my clicky pen that you got me. Found it. Dear Diary, Ma has earned a total of seven stars. One for Heartthrob, two for Nudies, one for Bodacious Tunes, two for Gratuitous Gore, and one for Sexy Slasher. Ma may not have all her marbles, but what the heck, you only live once. We would party with her. Is it weird that I want to provide a star for Ma not harming any of the animals, except for taking a little bit of Maggie's dog's blood? No, I think <laughs> give her a star. Eight stars, which means <laughs> Ma is on the shelf, and I guarantee we will revisit this again sometime soon. Hey, maybe even next time we'll spot another wiener. You with these nudies. 
<laughs> I'm just right now I'm really leaning into this side of myself. I see. <laughs> well, until our next hunky horror slumber party, Katie Kins, where can people find us? So you should definitely follow us on the social meds, specifically Twitter at Dear BFF Pod and on Instagram at bestfriendsforever.pod. We post things on there. Yes, you can find us there. You can also email us at dearbffpod at gmail.com. And that's how you can join our fan club. You can send us a letter with your name, address, and birthday to Attention Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145. But yeah, seriously, send us some stuff. I check the P.O. Box every day and nothing's there. And I it's want empty. I think there's cobwebs in it. But remember, Slumberkins, we have a lot of fantastic things in store for spooky season. And make sure you share with us your Halloween heartthrobs. We want to know who you deem as hunky horror. And Katie, it sounds like your cat may have a suggestion for us. <laughs> Poor John Ralphie was like, it is 45 minutes past my feeding time and I'm starving. And his favorite horror movie right now is Thinner. Because that's how he feels he's becoming when he doesn't eat a single thing. But please oh don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Pods because we want to read your reviews. Yeah. And you can even send us little comments, too, on social media. We should start reading those, too. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Because I know some people don't use Apple Pods, especially because Apple's getting all, like, goofy now. Yeah. That's true. Anyways, that concludes today's program and shout out to Movie John's Ashley Jane Davis for our radical spooky theme tunes and the Hollywood honk Hugo Marmuji for our nifty logo and Best Friends Forever is part of the Movie John Podcast Network and we thank you for listening. Please enjoy a short advert from our unofficial official sponsor, Grandpa Munster. Hiya, kids. It's me, your friend, Grandpa. I gotta tell you, I am starting a new club, and I want you to join. It's called the Junior Vampires of America. I mean, you'll hear scary monster stories. Now, to call, you gotta ask your parents' permission and call this phone number, 1-900-909-4300. You'll hear all about my monster friends, learn how to get a free vampire patch and a list of special vampire tricks and secrets. So call 1-900-909-4300. Learn how to scare your friends, even yourself. Join Grandpa's Junior Vampires of America Club, and I will make you a junior vampire. Hey, kids, call 1-900-909-4300. That's 1-900-909-4300 to hear Grandpa's scary stories and join the Junior Vampires Club. Just $2 a first minute, 45 cents each additional. Ask Mom or Dad first.